Hello, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. Today is August the 6th, 2019. For those of you who might listen to this five, ten years from now. But anyway, thank you for listening in. This is Jerry McGee. And if you're like me, you have lots to overcome. Praise Jesus that the promises of God are the overcomer. And as you know, we're all a work in progress. Praise God that he wants to change us from glory to glory to glory. So I appreciate you listening in. We'll be teaching uh, live the first and the third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And um, if you want prayer at the end of the teaching, if you call 646-595-4784. And don't forget to press 1, and I'll be happy to pray for you. And the title of the message tonight is The Spirit of Drunkenness or Drunk in the Spirit. And uh, let's pray. Father, we come before your throne and we thank you for your word that is forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it. Lord, I thank you that you said if we're determined to do your will, we will know if the teaching is from you. So, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that each person who's listening I loose upon each person the fear of the Lord, the conviction of sin, a spirit of repentance, and the truth to set us free. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that I be a tree of life, that rivers of living water come forth from my innermost being. And Satan, I bind you, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places. I bind you in the heavenly places and on this earth and forbid you to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth are in the heavenly places to work divination against us, against anyone listening in, against Dorothy, against her family, against me or my family in the name of Jesus, or against the President of the United States in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to cover us with the blood of Jesus. I pray a wall of fire, a hedge of protection, your warring angels around us. I bind and break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment, satanic ritual, spoken over this meet over this message over this program in jesus name and lord we send them back on the enemy seven times over unbroken full force in jesus name not to kill them hurt them harm them but so they'll fear god and turn away from evil and lord i thank you for the truth that sets me free and lord regardless of how i say this i ask one thing that you be glorified in the lives of each person who's listening in Well, tonight or today or whenever you're listening, we'll be talking about spiritual drunkenness. And spiritual drunkenness is different than physical drunkenness in this one way. A person that is a physical drunk is drunk on alcohol. A person that is spiritually drunk is drunk because of a judgment that God sends upon him because of spiritual adultery, spiritual harlotry. And this drunkenness is are drunk in the spirit 
is permeating the church in America. Many churches teach that this is the Holy Spirit, but it's really being drunk on the unholy spirit. God sends judgment upon spiritual adultery, spiritual harlotry. When we pray a prayer to receive Jesus, we're going to be the bride of Christ, men and women. And when our hearts go after other lovers through disobedience, through idolatry, then um, we, we commit spiritual adultery against our bridegroom, Jesus. In Hosea 4, it says harlotry, which is spiritual adultery, wine and new wine take away the understanding. And the wine is the, in the intoxication uh, causes us to lose our understanding. And the new wine, I believe it's the new teaching that goes on in churches today that it's not even scriptural. Um, but it's taught that it's a scriptural thing. In fact, many places today don't even believe in the Bible or believe in hell or believe that we have to repent of our sin. There's many teachers out there that are not even teaching repentance. Uh, and people leave church just as uh, demonized as when they came in. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from being priests. And, of course, we're kings and priests. Since you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. You see how our children are affected by the things we do. You can just observe little children and you can know what's going on in the parents when you look at the misbehavior of the children. Hosea 4, 7 says, the more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me, God said, and I will change their glory into shame. They feed on all the sins of my people and direct their desire towards their iniquity. And it will be like people, like priests, so I will punish them for their ways, and I will repay them according to their deeds. You know, Proverbs says the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. Hosea 4.10 says, they will eat but not have enough. Now, that could be one of the roots to why we are so hungry all the time. I remember a time in my life when I would eat dinner or lunch or breakfast, and 15 minutes later, I was wanting to eat again. I was still hungry. And so I looked up all the words that had to do with eating food and satisfied, and I can tell you that's no longer true in my life. But it says they'll eat but not have enough. They will play the harlot but not increase because they have stopped giving heed to the Lord. So this is talking about a people that one time gave heed to the Lord, but they stopped giving heed to the Lord. Hosea 4.11 says harlotry which means adultery or figuratively idolatry, um, infidelity, whoredom is what that means, uh, wine, which is intoxication. And then it's intoxicating a person. It takes away their understanding. And new wine, which takes away the understanding, which means King James says takes away the heart, which is the mind, the feelings, the will, and the intellect. And so harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. And in the last part of Hosea 4, it says, And the people without understanding are ruined. Understanding is the truth that sets me free. It says in uh, John eight thirty two, If you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hosea four twelve says, My people consult their wooden idols, and their diviners' wand 
informs them. You know, Jeremiah 10, 7 and 8 talks about uh, a wooden idol, uh, which uh, talks about how the children of Israel went, or how God's people went after the customs of the people who would cut down a tree and begin to worship a wooden idol. And then it says, because of this, it became a a discipline of delusion. For a spirit of harlotry has led them astray, and they have played the harlot and have departed from their God. So this is the people that were believers, but they departed from their God. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, in latter times, men will fall away from the faith, giving heed to doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. And there's lots of doctrines of demons out there today in the church. What is so sad, I can name very few churches that I would even recommend here in the state of Texas because, and I know there are good ones, but I only know, I don't know, but maybe one or two that I would even recommend because of the false doctrines that are taught in the church. And so for this very reason, the church in America and in other places of the world has lost their discernment. And we need discernment um, in order to discern the times we're living in, in order to discern if it's of God or if it's not of God. And there are things going on in the church today that's not scriptural. There's no holiness, no repentance, no word of God. And the doctrines are are doctrines of demons. In fact, in most churches today, you're eating at the table of demons instead of the table of the Lord. You know, God's got a good wine and he's got a good bread and it's a type of his word. But it's also he's got a a, a wine and a false false wine that uh, takes away people's understanding because of idolatry and harlotry. And if we lack understanding, we'll be deceived as many are already today in the church. Second Thessalonians 2.9 says, that is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and wonders. There's places where there are signs and wonders going on. It says to even deceive, if possible, the very elect. <clears throat> um, you know, the, the devil doesn't mind working a miracle if he can, if he can, he don't mind taking out a, a little demon if he can put in a bigger one. Second Thessalonians 2.10 says, And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So, you know, if you don't have a love of the truth, you're in trouble. And if you don't have a love of the truth, ask God to give you a love of the truth. The scripture says, draw me, God, and I will, I will run after you. Pray that prayer, God, draw me, then I'll run after you. Second Thessalonians 2.11 says, for this reason, God will send upon them. Now, this is because they don't love the truth. God will send upon them a deluding influence so as that they will not believe what is, that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth and took pleasure in wickedness. And so if you're not a lover of truth, um, you're in trouble. You're spiritually in trouble. And so, but praise God, God has to give us um, his desires as we pray. And so the scripture says, and I'm going to just tell you what New American Standard Bible says in John 7:17. 7, 
It says, if any man is determined to do the will of God, he will know if the teaching is from me. And I'm going to ask you, Dorothy, to read from the Amplified, John 7, 17. All right. See if I can find. Okay. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is of God or whether I speak on my own accord and by my own authority. Praise the Lord. And so because of spiritual adultery, these people are uh, given over to a deluding influence so they cannot even be saved. And, of course, you probably, if you've heard me teach, have heard this, we say this before, Howard Pittman um, says that 90% of church members are lost. And Leonard Ravenhill said 95% of church members are, are, are lost. Most people have a head knowledge or religious spirit. They, they're more concerned with the outward appearance than their heart issues. God wants us to deal with our heart issues because as we deal with our heart issues and we take those to his throne of grace, he strengthens, confirms, establishes, and perfects us, us and, and uh, we change from glory to glory. And that's what it means to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But religious people don't do that. They just, uh, you know, in many places they're teaching that you don't even have to obey God, that that's legalism. I can show you in the word of God that it's just the opposite. You're legalistic if you're not obeying God. And so today we'll be talking about spiritual drunkenness. Spiritual drunkenness comes in. Um and it's permeated many uh, of the so-called revivals, and I say so-called because they're calling it revival when it's really not. But, you know, you don't have to be in one of these fake revivals to, to receive a spirit of drunkenness. I mean, you can be a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian. You can be other denominations. Basically, it's a judgment for living a hypocritical life. I remember a time when I knew this man. And when I was involved with ministering to people that were satanic, this particular girl that was satanically, ritually abused, uh, the Satanist stopped uh, this person I was ministered to on the freeway and, and, and was saying about a specific man that he was a drunk. Well, I knew the man. The man never took a drop of alcohol, but he was a spiritual drunkard. And so it's for living a hypocritical life. You know, God calls us to holiness. In fact, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Uh, and also, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And when you're out of control, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And true revival comes, or reviving comes, when you just make Jesus the Lord and master of your life. You've had revival in your life. And, you know, we should be experiencing revival all the time. I feel like God's, uh, I've experienced some more revival. Uh, Jesus has been the Lord of my, la- my life, and uh, I was prayed up and confessed that, but the Lord showed me something else that I needed to do to please him. And I'm not legalistic. I'm not trying to turn the potter's wheel, but I believe abiding in Christ is to yield 100% surrender your life to God. And that includes all of your secret sins, all your hidden sins, and make Jesus the Lord and master of your life. And when you do that, you'll have true revival. And every day should be a day of reviving. My desire is that God takes me up to a higher level. I want to know more of him than I know now. 
You know, seven times the Bible says be sober. Fourteen times it says be on the alert, keep on the alert. About five times it says drunk, seven times drunkenness, uh, 44 times drunkard. Um, and I'm just going to give you a few scriptures. If you want um, more scriptures on drunkenness, uh, I've written a little book, and you can go on, on my website, jerrymcgee.com. That's all lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. And I've written a book called Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or a Curse? And I can tell you it's a curse. But in that book, um, I list all the scriptures on sober, alert, drunk, drunken, uh, drunkenness. Uh, I'm just going to give you a few. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which means drink down, gulp down, and swallow up. So you can be swallowed up by the enemy as well as have demons working in you. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're either filled with the Holy Spirit or you're drunk with wine. Being filled with the Spirit means that you are walking in the Spirit, denying yourself, taking up your cross daily to follow the Lord. And for us to deny ourselves, it means we choose God's way over our way his attitudes over our attitudes, his plans over our plan, and his word over our word. First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then let us keep, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. First Thessalonians 5, 8 says, But since we're of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So you see, sobriety is a part of the armor. God says, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and put on, uh, put on love and, and put on the helmet of hope, the hope of salvation. Second Timothy 4, 5 says, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. First Peter 1, 13 says, therefore, prepare your minds for uh, action be sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ first peter 4 7 says but the end of all things is near therefore be of sound judgment and sober a sober spirit for the purpose of prayer you know i used to have a ministry forum and i had many people that the parents sent them there and they were on all kinds of psychiatric medicine and they were drunk through um, prescription medication. You know, you can be drunk on food. Uh, you can be, um, you can be drunk even looking at pornography. But God tells us to be sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. You know, I've, in my earlier life, I mean, I, I remember one time when I, this was before I even was even saved, where I um, drank maybe just one drink and it made me sick. And, um, but I've been drunk on food many, many times in my life. Did you know if you overeat, it just makes you drunk. In fact, drunkenness and, and gluttony are tied in together. It's really idolatry. And so the people who espouse this doctrine of, of drunkenness, uh, they base it on one scripture, 
and that's when the in Acts one, uh, Acts one or two, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in tongues, tongues, and and the religious leaders thought that they were drunk, and Peter stood up and said, "These men are not drunk," and that's the only scripture that these people who espouse this drunkenness doctrine um, use, and it's just that one scripture. And in my little book, Drunkenness, Is It, is it a Blessing, a Curse? I listed every scripture that had to do with drunk, drunken, sober, alert, um, drunkenness. Galatians 5.19 lists drunkenness as one of the, fruit, the, the fruits of the flesh. And if practiced, will send you to hell. It goes on to say the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we choose against ourselves to choose to walk in the Spirit, walk in obedience to the Lord. Now, we don't obey to be saved. We obey because we are saved. And so um, when the Bible speaks of drunkenness or being drunk, it's not only talking about physical alcohol, but it's talking about being spiritually drunk. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, No adulterer. Uh, fornicator, liar, thief, homosexual, effeminate, reviler, slander, drunkener, drunkener, uh, drunk, I'm sorry, drunkard, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I just paraphrased that, but you can look it up in First Corinthians six nine. Spiritual drunkenness is a curse. It's a judgment on a, on the believers who live a hypocritical life. Uh, some other words for drunkenness. Uh, and related to drunkenness is the spirit of sleep, a spirit of slumber. Uh, the scripture talks about their lamp goes out in time of darkness. Um, people who lose their discernment, loss of understanding, uh, dull spiritual vision, spiritual sluggard, deluded delusion. Uh, Zephaniah one four talks about uh, people who who worship the Lord, but they also worship Malcolm. And it talks about them having a stagnant spirit, uh, a depraved mind. Romans 1 says if we change the truth of God for a lie and worship the creature, God gives us over to a depraved mind. Isaiah 29.9 says, be delayed and wait. Uh, bind yourself, blind yourself and be blind. They became drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. So, um in, in verse 9, it talks about people that are blind and that they're drunk, but they're not drunk with alcohol, but they're drunk. Uh, they stagger, but not with strong drink. In other words, they haven't had any alcohol. So it's talking about spiritual drunkenness. Uh, Isaiah 29.10 says, For the Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and he has covered your head, the seers. You know, in uh, Jeremiah 23, God rebukes the false prophets who uh, they they speak a word of their own imagination. And God says, if if my if these uh, prophets would speak what I say, my people would repent of their sin. But many of the people that call themselves prophets today never even bring up the power, the mention of sin. In fact, they just tell in your your fortune. And you know, you can have a false gift of prophecy just like you can have a true holy spirit gift of prophecy. Isaiah 29:11 says, 
the entire vision, that's the Bible, will be to you like a sealed book. When they give it to one who's literate, that's the one who has his book learning, he'll say, please read this, and he'll say, I can't read it, for it is sealed. Then the book, speaking of the Bible, will be given to the one who's illiterate, that's the one who has no book knowledge, saying, please read this, and he'll say, I cannot read it. Verse 13, then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words, in other words, they're just giving him lip service, and honor me with lip service, in other words, they're just uh, being hypocritical, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence from me consists of traditions learned by rote. Verse 14, therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous. And the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. Because of spiritual adultery, spiritual harlotry, God pours out the wine of his wrath and causes a person to lose their understanding, which causes them to be ruined and destroyed. Jeremiah 10.8 says their idol is a discipline of delusion exodus 14 says that when we have idols we put before our faces the stumbling block of our iniquity exodus 15 says god says my people will have no other gods before me and so when we love anything more than jesus we are committing idolatry isaiah 6 10 Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. You know, in the parable of the sower in Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 13, he talks about four types of soil. The first soil, the, the, the sower goes out and sows the word, and the, and the seed is the word of God, and it falls beside the road. In other words, this represents people that say, I hear that, but I don't believe it, or it goes in one ear and out the other. And in that parable, Jesus said that the birds steal it, which is types and shadows of demons. The second soil is the the soil that uh, receives the word among thorns, the worries and cares of this life choke out the word so it's not productive. And then the the third soil is, um, the seed is sown on hard ground, and this represents people, they don't want to go to hell, but they receive the word with joy. But the minute they realize that they have to die to their flesh, they fall away. And then it talks about the fourth soil. It says that they, because they have good, good soil, that they receive the word implanted, and they produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And Jesus goes on to say in that parable, as he explains that parable, and I've explained it, but he explains it in that, in those passages. And then he says, but to you disciples, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And a disciple is one that uh, the scripture says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Jesus said, you know, you know, you're my disciple if you have love for one another. Uh, Isaiah says, he will give you the tongue of a disciple that you might sustain the weary one with the word. And morning by morning, he'll waken up your ears to listen as a disciple, and you will not be disobedient, nor will you turn back. 
So disciples are ones who are, who hear the word and they don't they're not disobedient nor they do they turn back. And so a church with a godly shepherd teach it makes disciples. Uh, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples and teach them everything that I've taught you. And, of course, it was to cast out demons and, and heal the sick. And so um, so a disciple is one that lets God discipline them, that receives God's discipline, that continues to align themselves up with the word of God. And so he tells, he tells Jesus tells um them in uh, the parables of the sower he said to you disciples has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom in fact in mark 4 says if you can understand those parables you can understand every parable in the word of god and then he goes on to say but to them the multitudes out there give them ears that hear not give them eyes that see not give them a heart that cannot understand so they can turn and be healed and so that was taken right out of isaiah Chapter 6, Revelation 17:3 says, And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast with blasphemous names, having seven heads and, seven, and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with, with uh, gold and precious stones and pearls. And, of course, he wasn't criticizing what she was decked out in. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if you're not committing spiritual adultery and God didn't tell you that's an idol in your life. But she was adorned with precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead was a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now, she was the mother of harlots. This cup that she had was full of abominations, which made the nations drunk. But Babylon, um, she's a mother of harlots because Babylon, now, you know, many of you have been taught that, that Babylon is the Catholic Church, which it, it it is any church member who is living a hypocritical life. I mean, it could be a Baptist, a Methodist, it could be whoever, whatever denomination. But a, Bab- a Babylon church, Babylon represents a church that doesn't make disciples, but makes little adulteresses, little harlots, a little spiritual harlots that, that commit spiritual adultery against their bridegroom, Jesus. And so she's the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. And, and, and what that means is because she's not teaching the word of God, uh, she's destroying people, shedding their blood. You can do a word study on shedding blood. And so that's how she sheds the blood of the saints because she doesn't teach them the word of God. She doesn't teach him to be uh, disciples. She saw her drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Then I, then I saw and I wondered greatly. Now in Revelation fourteen eight says, and another angel, a second one, followed saying, fallen, fallen 
is Babylon the Great. And we know that's not happened yet, but in the end times, Babylon will fall. In fact, the Bible says that the beast will end up eating the harlot, the very beast that she served and loved, whether she knew it or not, will end up destroying her. It says, and another angel, a second one, followed, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has made the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. She also will, he also will drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. In verse 19, and the second angel swung the sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters of the wine of the earth and threw them into the great wine, wine press of the wrath of God. Revelation 16:19 says, the great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. Psalm 60, verse 1 through 3 says, God, you have rejected us, and he does reject us when we don't walk in obedience. And again, we don't obey to be saved. We obey because we're new creations in Christ. Because we've been transformed by the power of God. Does it mean we're perfect? No, but it means that when we sin, uh, we don't, we can't stand it till we get our heart right with God. It says, you have broken us. You've been angry, O Lord. Restore us. You have made the earth, the land quake. And you have split open. Heal its breaches for it totters. You have made your people experience hardship. You have given them wine to drink that has made them stagger. Isaiah 28, 1 says, Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim and to the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is the head of the fertile valley of those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent a storm of hell and a tempest of destruction like a storm of mighty overflowing waters he has cast it down to the earth with his hand the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim are trodden underfoot now Ephraim is it represents the church but the word Ephraim means double fruit producing fruit for the Lord and fruit for the devil it's trodden underfoot and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of every fertile valley, will be like the first ripe fig of summer when he sees it. And as he sees it, as it is in his hand, he swallows it. Now, that's a picture of, uh, you know, if you see the first ripe fig of summer, if you're out walking near a fig tree, you usually will grab that fig and eat it. And so God's basically telling you that the enemy swallows you up. And that's First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who may, he may devour, which means drink down, gulp down, and swallow up. In that day, the Lord of hosts will become a beautiful crown and a glorious diadem 
to the remnant of his people. You know, God's coming for a remnant. He's going to take a remnant of people out of this conglomeration of many, many people that say they believe, but it's going to be the ones that were willing to walk the narrow way uh, that find salvation. He's taking a remnant out of the, the multitudes of people that call themselves Christians because if we're not willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow the Lord, we don't really know the Lord. A spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, a strength to those who repel the onslaught at the gate, and these also reel with wine and stagger with strong, with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. I've seen these false prophets stand up and just swing back and forth in drunkenness. I went out to Canada to a meeting because I've been the kind of person that if I think God may be there, I don't want to miss anything. So I've been a lot of places looking for God only to to see the error. And, you know, if you don't know the word of God, you'll be taken in by every wind of doctrine. And you can't know the word of God unless you read the word of God. And if you don't love the truth, then you're sent a strong delusion. It says they are confused by wine and stagger from strong drink. The priest and the prophet, they reel from having visions. They totter when rendering judgment. For all their tables are full of filthy vomit without a single clean place. There's the eating at the table of demons. Jeremiah 51, and it's all over the word of God. I'm, I'm not reading all the scriptures because we'd be here for a week. It says, thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to rouse against Babylon and against the inhabitants of Leb Kamai, which means, you know, Leb Kamai was a city in Chaldea, but it means of, are the heart of those who have risen up against me. God said he's going to send a spirit of a destroyer. I will dispatch foreigners into Babylon that they may winnow her and they may devastate her land. First Corinthians 3, 9 says you're building your house, you're a field. Parables of the, for, the sower says your land. And so God says he's going to winnow her and devastate her land. For on every side, they will be opposed to her in the day of her calamity. Now, God's warning us, flee from the midst of Babylon. In other words, if you're not sitting under a pastor that's teaching you the word of God, uh, you're, you're being um, conformed into, uh, well, it says in, it says in uh, Luke 7.48 or 6.48, after a man is fully trained, he becomes like his teacher. And if your pastor is a whoremonger or an adulterer, that spirit of adultery is coming on you. God says, flee from the midst of Babylon and so that each of you will save his life. Do not be destroyed in her punishment, for this is the Lord's time of vengeance. He's going to render recompense to her. Babylon has become a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating the earth. Um, the nations have drunk of the of her wine therefore the nations are going mad and you know um in john i believe it's in john one or two it says that many people were coming to to jesus but he wasn't giving himself to them because he knew all men's hearts 
In John 6, it says that if we don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, which means die our flesh, we don't even know the Lord. Remember in, in um, John 6, how the disciples, some of the disciples left him because they said, this is too hard. It's too hard to do this. Jeremiah 51.8, suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken well over her and bring balm for her and perhaps she may be healed. We applied healing to Babylon, but she would not be healed. Forsake her, God says, and let each go to his own country, for her judgment has reached to the heavens and her tower and towers to the very skies. Verse 10, the Lord has brought about our vindication. Come and let us recount in Zion the work of the Lord. In other words, he's vindicating those that have been taken captive by this false doctrine those that really want him those that were genuinely sincere and not just had a head knowledge and wanted to live after the flesh the scripture says if you live after the flesh you'll die but if by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body you'll live lamentations 1 1 and all the whole book of lamentations is about the harlot about the harlot church but I'm just going to read, uh, in, in fact, I encourage you to read all of Lamentations 1. I'm just going to read parts of it. It says, how lonely sets the city that was full of people. Now, in Matthew 5, Jesus told the disciples, he said, uh, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And then he says, the city on a hill uh, should not be hidden. And so he's basically telling them that they're a city. So he says, how lonely sets the city that was once full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. And, you know, the church at one time was great among the nations. But now it says she's become like a widow. And, of course, Jesus is the bridegroom. But it's saying that this this church member has become a widow. And she was once great among the nations. And at one time the church was great among the nations. But we've left our first love. We've left the word of God many places they're not even they're teaching a grace teaching that you don't even have to obey praise God we are saved by grace thank God for grace but to to say that because we're saved by grace we don't have to obey that is heresy she once was a princess among the princes and has now become a forced laborer the scripture says in Proverbs, the diligent shall rule, but he who deals with a slack hand will be put to forced labor. She weeps bitterly in the night, and her tears run down her cheeks. She has no one to comfort her. Acts 5 says the Holy Spirit, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And so she has no one to comfort her. The Holy Spirit's the comforter, but she didn't have the Holy Spirit. Among all her lovers, that's her idols, and her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Paul said, your enemies are not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Verse 3, Judah, which means praise, has gone into exile under affliction, under harsh uh, servitude. She who dwells among the nations. In other words, the church today, church members are so worldly that you can't tell them from 
lost people. The scripture says that if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. But she's found no rest. The reason she's found no rest is she's not come under the yoke of Jesus, which is light and easy, and she would find rest for her soul if she would do that. So she's found no rest, and her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. She lives a life of stress. And her enemies have overtaken her. The enemies are not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Lamentations 1.4 says, The roads of Zion are in mourning because no one comes to the accepted feast, the appointed feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests are groaning. Her virgins are afflicted. And she herself is bitter. You know, in the Song of Solomon... The king says to the to the bride, your mouth is so sweet, my darling. In Proverbs, it says the harlot is bitter. She wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. And, you know, we can be bitter or better by what we go through, depending on our response to what we go through. If we go to God and deal with our pain and our hurt uh, and our sin God's way, then he cleanses us from bitterness. In sickness. Lamentations 1 5 says, Her adversaries have become her masters. Her enemies prosper. One of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 is the enemy will come against you one way and you'll flee seven ways. And then it says, For the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her little ones have gone astray as captives before the adversary. And all of her majesty has departed from the daughter of Zion. That's the church member. Her princes have become like deer. They have found no pasture. And a pasture is where you feed on the word of God. There's no word of God, so they don't have a pasture. And they have fled without strength before the pursuer. You know, the Bible says that he'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon him. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Then I'm going to skip some and start reading again in verse 10. The adversary has stretched out his hand over her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter into the sanctuary. And that's a type and shadow of the demons coming into the church house. The ones whom you commanded that they should not enter into your congregation. God just lets the demons get us when we don't walk in covenant. Lamentations 1.13 says, From on high he sent fire into my bones, and it prevailed over them. And you know, this could be uh, one of the roots to bone problems. And if you've never committed spiritual adultery, then it could be a generational curse. He has spread a net for my feet. He has turned me back. He has made me desolate, faint all day long. God's done it. The yoke of of my transgressions is bound, the wrong yoke on his neck. By his hand they're knit together. They have come upon my neck. He has made my strength fail. The Lord has given me into the hands of those against whom I'm not able to stand. 
verse 16. For these things I weep, my eyes run down with water, because far from me is a comforter, no Holy Spirit, one who restores my soul. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Verse 20, see, O Lord, for I am in distress. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is overturned within me. There can be heart problems, for I have been very rebellious. Proverbs 17:11 says, a rebellious man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. In the street, the sword slays. In the house, it's like death. Revelation 18.1 says, After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. So he's saying that Babylon is full of demons and it's become a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. You know, a bird can't take you take you captive. So that's a type and shadow of demons. Verse 3, for all the nations have drank of the wine of the passion for immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality, which is harlotry, incest, adultery, um, incest, uh, figuratively speaking, idolatry, fornication. So the, the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become wealth by the, have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. In many churches, it's nickels, dimes, noses, and numbers, especially if you watch the TV evangelists. And there's some good TV evangelists, but the biggest majority of them are teaching heresy. Verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come up out of her, my people. So here again, in in, uh, Jeremiah 51, God says, I warned you to flee from Babylon. And now he's saying, "My, my children... Come out of that harlot church system. Find a pastor that's teaching you to repent of your sins. Come out of her, my people, so that you may not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. God's going to lose plagues upon this Babylonian church. For her sins have piled up high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she's paid, and give her back double according to her deeds in the cup of which she has mixed mixed twice as much for her to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously to that degree give her torment and mourning for she said in her heart i said it's queen in other words i am the bride of christ i'm not a widow and i'll never see mourning i don't have to repent of my sin basically paraphrased I remember going to a church in Chicago years ago, and I came. I went to hear a man that I heard was a great, had a great healing ministry, and I went uh, to this church to hear him specifically. And he was, he his healing ministry was in some foreign country that was about 120 degrees hot. The temperature was that hot, and he was pasty, lily white, 
And, you know, my granddaddy used to work out in the sun, and he'd wear this old hat, and when he'd take it off, it would leave a crease in his head, in his hair, where the hat sat down on his head. Well, this man had a perfectly uh, groomed hairstyle, and there was no there was no dents from a from wearing um, having to wear a hat in 120 degree weather. And he was pasty, lily white, which is nothing wrong with that. But that told me that he wasn't doing what he said he had been doing. And I counted how many times he glorified himself. He must in in an hour's time he must have used the word I, me, or my probably two hundred and something times. You know, you know what something is of when you look who it's pointing to. If Jesus Christ is not being lifted up, you know that it's not of the Lord. He says, and God says, and I'm going to give her torment and mourning because she glorified herself. For she said in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am not a widow. In other words, I'm the bride of Christ, and I'll never see mourning. I don't have to repent of my sin. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will burned up, be burned up with fire, for the Lord who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when the smoke, uh, I'm sorry, will lament over her when they see the smoke of her rising. Standing at a distance because of the the fear of torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. For in one hour such great wealth has been wasted. And Babylon could be the Catholic Church. It could be uh, America, as some people say it is, and it may be all of these things. But it's also the church member who lives a hypocritical life. Um, And so the way we get free is we come out of Babylon, come out of the Harlot Church, find find a pastor that's preaching the word of God. Know the word of God. Get in the word of God. Know what God's word says. Otherwise, you'll be taken in by what people tell you. Repent of your idolatry. Make sure you have been born again. I'm not talking about a head knowledge of God. Make sure that you're determined to do the will of God so that you'll know if the teaching is from God. Ask God to give you a love of the truth and from and freedom from being a spiritual uh, harlot or a spiritual drunkard is to be 100% totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Repent of idolatry. Be a lover of truth. If you're not a lover of truth, ask God to make you a lover of truth. Walk in repentance. Line your life with the word of God. Allow God to discipline you. Allow God to correct you. Align yourself with the word of God. And, you know, you have to read the word of God in order to align yourself with it. And ask God to forgive you for a harlotry and to deliver you from Um, being a spiritual drunkard now you can be a spiritual drunkard and never act like you're drunk but you can be a spiritual drunkard and act like you're drunk I've seen people so drunk that they couldn't even sit in a chair 
So um, I'm going to pray with you and uh, you ask the Lord to show you what he wants you to repent of. I'm sure you've seen some things already. Lord, I just lose the fear of God on all of us, not a demonic fear of God, but the fear of God that turns us away from evil, the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, I ask you even now, right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will flow out and touch the lives of every person who hears this message. Father, I pray for the truth that sets people free. I pray that there'll be genuine repentance, Father, the conviction of sin, the fear of the Lord, and the spirit of repentance, and the truth that sets them free. In Jesus' name. And so if you'll pray with me, if you can agree, pray with me. First of all, Father, in the name of Jesus, if I just have a head knowledge of you and I've never been born again, forgive me for not being willing to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. Lord, forgive me for being like the soil number one who hears the word, doesn't believe it, lets it go in one ear and out the other. Lord, forgive me for receiving the word among uh, thorns and the worries and cares and, and the desire for other things that choked out the word. Lord, forgive me for not uh, receiving the word with a hardness of heart and uh, and not wanting to um, crucify my flesh and falling away. Lord, forgive me for uh, having itching ears, a turning aside from truth to myth and accumulating for myself teachers in accordance with my own desire. Forgive me for not being determined to do your will. Lord, I ask you to work that in me in the name of Jesus. I ask for a a special touch from you, Lord. I ask you to draw me that I might run, run with you. I ask you to quicken me that I might call on your name. Forgive me for being a spiritual adulterer. God, forgive me for being um, giving you lip service. Forgive me for rejecting knowledge and not loving the truth, speaking the truth, embracing the truth. Forgive me for turning aside from following you, turning my back on you. Forgive me for stopping listening to you. Forgive me for that I've stopped giving heed to you, and Lord, I repent. Forgive me for harlotry, adultery, idolatry, whoredom, intoxication, taking away, which is taking away my understanding, take away my heart, my mind, my feelings, my will. Forgive me for physical drunkenness. Forgive me, Lord, for being drunk on alcohol and food and drugs. Forgive me for being addicted to Uh, prescription drugs forgive me lord for being addicted to alcohol and illegal drugs I, i ask you lord to break that bondage off me i ask you lord to decrease me that you might increase i ask you to remove the discipline of delusion i ask you lord to uh take away the deluding influences keeping me from being saved Lord, forgive me for um, following after false signs and wonders. Forgive me for not being of a sober spirit. Forgive me for not, um, forgive me for living after the flesh. 
Forgive me for not being sober and alert. Forgive me for letting the adversary, the devil, swallow me up. Forgive me for being drunk with wine, which is excess, and not being filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me for uh, falling asleep and not being alert and sober. Lord, forgive me for, Lord, I want to put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation and sobriety. Forgive me for not being sober in all things, enduring hardship and doing the work of an evangelist and fulfilling the ministry, fulfilling the purpose of my creation. Lord, for not, forgive me for not preparing my mind for action and not keeping sober in spirit and fixing my hope completely on the grace that's being brought to me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Lord, for uh, not being of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Forgive me for giving you lip service. Forgive me for adultery, fornication, homosexuality, effeminate spirit, drunkenness, idolatry, adultery, uh, reviling, slander, gossip, God, I ask you to forgive me for uh, living after the flesh. Forgive me for uh, worshiping you and worshiping idols, being double-minded, which has caused me to lose my discernment and my understanding. Forgive me, Lord, for being a hypocrite. Would you unseal the book so I can read it? Would you restore discernment to me, Lord, as I yield myself to you, as I present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice? As, Lord, I just get on your potter's wheel and thank you that you, the potter, does everything. I have to yield, but you do the rest. Thank you that it's your job to take the junk out of me, Lord. Forgive me for trying to turn the potter's wheel. Forgive me for being legalistic. Forgive me for making idols, which has caused you to render my heart insensitive, my ears dull, my eyes dim, so that I couldn't see and believe and be healed. I repent. Forgive me for being involved with Babylon, mother of harlots. Forgive me for being a part of churches that don't teach me to be a disciple, that have taught me to be a harlot. Lord, I want to come up out of there. Forgive me for um, being double-minded. Oh, God, you've rejected us. You have broken us. You've been angry, oh, Lord, restore us. Lord, you have made the earthquake, split me open, heal my breaches, Lord, for I totter. Lord, you've made me experience hardship, and you've given me wine to drink that makes me stagger. Lord, forgive me for being one of the proud crowns of the drunkards of Ephraim. And, Lord, I want to come out of Babylon in Jesus' name. 
And I just present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. Lord, I yield 100% to you. I want to say this too. You know, if you're legalistic, you could be horrified by this message, but all you have to do is get on the potter's wheel. The potter does everything. All you have to do is yield your life to him. God takes the junk out. If you totally surrender to God, uh, it's a work of his grace. It's his job to take the junk out. It's his job to mold you, shape you, and fashion you that you might uh, that you might be the person he created you to be before the foundation of the world. And that way you, you will fulfill your destiny. And God, I just 100% yield to you today. And Lord, I just repent of idolatry, adultery. In Jesus' name, forgive me for wanting to go along with the crowd, wanting to be popular. Forgive me for wanting to be one of the people that are looked up to. God, you said if we humble ourselves, we're exalted. And, Lord, I want to humble myself before you today. And I ask you to be glorified in my life. In Jesus' name. I command every demonic spirit to leave now in Jesus' name. Every spirit that came in. To the sins they've confessed, we break generational curses, soul-tie curses, cultural curses with Babylon, with uh, harlotry, with idolatry. Uh, In Jesus' name, I break the power of spiritual harlotry. Uh, I break the power of diviners, wands that have led them astray. I break the power of it in the name of Jesus. Praise you, mighty God. Lord, move upon the lives of each person who's heard this message. And I ask you to seal the word to to their hearts, Lord. I ask you to bless them. I ask you to give them a love of the truth. I ask you, Lord, to encourage them. Uh, I ask you, Lord, to motivate them. I ask you to refresh them, renew them. And, Lord, give them confidence in you. Cleanse their conscience from all defilement by the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, fill them up with yourself in Jesus' name. And just take a deep breath and blow out because the word spirit means breath. In Jesus' name, we cut all soul ties with the harlot church, with Babylon, in Jesus' name. Spirit of drunkenness, I command you to go. Stagnant spirit, I command you to go. Spirit of sleep, I command you to go. Spirit of compromise, I command you to go. In the name of Jesus, I command all spirits of complacency, go. Passivity has to leave. Double-mindedness has to go. Spirit of Ephraim, you have to go. Uh, Spirit of Babylon, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of sickness, distress, disease, blasphemy, you have to leave. Antichrist spirits, you have to go in the name of Jesus. The spirit of sleep, spirit of delusion, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Leave every person in Jesus' name. Spirits of hypocrisy, spirit of sleep, you have to go. Spirit of depraved mind, double-mindedness has to go. Spirit of stagnant spirit, spirit of Molech, in the name of Jesus, has to go. All spirits of Baal has to go. Delusion, deluded, sluggard has to go. Uh, Dull spiritual vision has to go. Spiritual blindness has to go. Uh, Spirits that causes them to lose their understanding. In the name of Jesus, I command all spirits that hinder their discernment, go now. Spirits that cause their lamp to go out. Spirits of slumber, spirits of sleep, leave now. In Jesus' name, we break your power. Lord, I pray a refreshing will come. You said times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. Bless you, Lord. I break all addictions to alcohol. I break all addictions to 
being drunk in the spirit. I break the power of drunk in the spirit. In Jesus' name, I command you to leave. Every person who's heard this message and who can receive, I break the power of fear, legalism. I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord. Take a deep breath and blow out because the word spirit means breath in Jesus' name. Well, if you want prayer, if you'll call 646-595-4784 and don't forget to press 1, I'll be happy to pray for you. Uh, You can write me at Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas. Um, And my website is Jerry McGee, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at SBC. I'm sorry, jerrymcgee.com. My email is jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. You can order the book, Bless, uh, Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or Curse? You can order that online. I encourage you to order Clearing the Land. That's a little repentance book that lists all the curses. You can actually get deliverance just listening. Just uh, listening. I mean, sorry, just going through that little repentance book. There's free CDs and free audios that you can listen to online. Uh, If you can help us, we appreciate those of you who help us. Um, You can send a gift by going to um, jerrymcgee.com, and there's a place where you can send a gift by PayPal. Also, the lady that sponsors this program, uh, she doesn't charge me anything, and she does a good service. She's got uh, other speakers that, that are on Blog Talk Radio, and you can send a gift through PayPal to her at D for Dorothy. D Churchy C H U R C H Y one at hotmail dot com, and um, I'll be in Lake, at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp August the twenty ninth two thousand nineteen through um, for three days. I think if you're interested in going to Lake Hamilton, go to lakehamiltonbiblecamp dot com and get information. Uh, we have prayer teams that would be praying for people every morning. You can get great deliverance there, and it's very inexpensive to go. Um, I have uh, my next seminar in Duncanville, or my next meeting in Duncanville will be um, September the the 7th, 2019. I'll be in um, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Let me see if I can read my writing here. In October. Uh, you can sign up. If you go on my website, you can sign up, and I'll send out a flyer. Um, but the the one in Mechanicsburg is October the 27th through the 29th, and the contact number is Bill Wilson, 717-350-1506. I've scribbled on this paper, and I can barely read it. Um, anyway, if you would like to, um, put together a meeting in your church or in your home or in a home Bible study or in your town, you can contact me, Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net and, um, and email me. I always like to hear what God's done in your life, uh, to give him the glory and honor that always encourages me. And I always answer my emails. Unless I got a thousand and then I might have a hard time doing that. But right now I can handle it. So anyway, so may the Lord bless you. And I hope to see you if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Duncanville meetings is at uh, 
exit 462 off of Interstate 20 in Duncanville at the Hilton Garden Inn. It starts at 10 o'clock, and it's the first Saturday of every month. And I'm at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp every uh, every holiday. The next one will be Thanksgiving. But I encourage you to come because I don't know of a, of a place anywhere in America where I believe you can get greater deliverance than going to Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll listen again on the first and the third Tuesdays of each month uh, at 7 p.m. I'm sorry, 6 p.m. Central Time, and uh, invite people to listen. And uh, be sure and let me know what God's done in your life. And so until the next time, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you more peace.